Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Welcome to each and every one of our faithful followers and you new folks who are out there also. We're glad that you joined us today. We look forward to being able to share with you to maybe touch, change, or perhaps even save a life. We've seen this program do that. And whether we're your first choice or your last chance, we're just thrilled, excited, and thankful that you've tuned in. Our guest today is John Childress. Welcome, John. Welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How about yourself? Doing well, thank you. Awesome. Hey, John, let's start this off. Let me just ask you kind of a simple question, but the answer is a little more complex. Who is John Childress? How would you describe yourself to folks who may not know you? Well, they I go by Johnny Childress on Facebook. And I am a gentleman that tries to strive forward to reach those that are still struggling and that are those that are still early in their faith to help them along because it's so important that we reach back. Okay, when you say you're helping folks who are struggling, go ahead and explain what you mean by that, please. Um, my wife and I are both in leadership for a Celebrate Recovery in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, we do one-on-one -on -one as well when the opportunity arises. Um, I've been delivering um, messages online as in uh, spiritual messages um, straight from our good book um, to help those along. Good deal. Sounds like you're busy with trying to help those folks who struggled with addiction issues, yes? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So do you come from a, a personal background of struggling with addiction? Absolutely. I have uh, paraclean dates for you. That's kind of how we do it and celebrate recovery. Um, I've been clean from methamphetamine since April 4th of 2013, and I've been clean from heroin since December 20th of 07. Congratulations. Thank you. Those numbers are starting to build up. Let's back up a little bit. How long did you deal with your heroin issue? Um, when I kicked my heroin issue, I had moved from Denver, Colorado to Pawpaw, Michigan um, to take care of my mother, but I wasn't in any state to take care of myself at that time. She had had a massive heart attack and had a leg cut off. Um, basically, I detoxed on the jail room floor at the Van Buren County Sheriff's Department and never looked back. So how long did you deal with addiction? How long Ooh. You know, before, from start to that point where you said, let's get away from this? Well, I'm being sick and tired. Well, that, that unfortunate relationship with my DOC, which was meth, started in 1985 oh, yeah you, it was a long road 
20 years there, give or take a little. Absolutely. A little old, probably more closer to 30. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what what were some of the the issues, some of the losses, some of the hurts, some of the broken relationships? How did that play out during that 30 years? Folks, we've got Johnny Childress here with us telling mm. us his story. Go ahead, Johnny. Well, as far as broken relationships go, we know that um, when we're in that state that we do nothing but damage just about any relationship that we're in. There were so many broken relationships. I even just recently um, did a four-step with someone that I had had animosity with for over 10 years from a broken relationship, and we were able to mend that relationship about a month and a half before she passed. That was my... uh, last living blood relative. Um, Tell the folks what fourth step is, those who may not know, who aren't as familiar with all of these terms as you and I are. That's making amends, guys. Um, Forgiveness is key in this program, in this thing we call recovery. Without it, we will continually return back to that fourth step, I've found over and over again. These things are very important. It's not only to have forgiveness for those that we have hurt, but those that have hurt us and even ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves for all the stuff that we put ourselves through over those years. In your own personal experience, what has been the most difficult for you, forgiving others or forgiving self? Um, I would have to say these days it's more forgiving myself than others. The Lord has really softened my heart. You know, a lot of us, we all start with that heart of stone before we're saved. And over the years, the Lord will soften you. And uh, that's probably the hardest for me now is for me to forgive my own self for things. It's truly one thing to forgiveness to get forgiveness from a fellow uh, traveler uh, pilgrim whatever sojourner <laughs> depending on the version of the Bible right. it's another thing to be able to know damage you've done hurts you have created and to forgive yourself and to move forward absolutely absolutely you know we get to a point years in um and and it gets to where i revisit some of the um i've been a celebrate recovery guy for a long time okay and just recently i started revisiting na and aa in kalamazoo to um to start working on those uh those hurts habits and hang-ups those character defects that we still have lingering we all have those, and I don't want to say especially those who are in recovery, but certainly those who are in recovery, because I get it. I'm sure you get it. It's a disease, but it's a disease mm-hmm. that carries a side effect called selfishness. Absolutely. That catapults us to, I've got this. I can handle this. I'm okay with this. And then you reach that point to where Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? And you realize it's not working, not in a positive way. 
Do you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, so many people, um, if, if I may, so many folks, they label the word recovery and they put it completely on drugs and alcohol. And when I'm talking to a church or something, promoting a celebrate recovery or something like that, I always try to remind folks that everybody in this world needs recovery from something. That Amen. it's not just drugs and alcohol. You could have, you need recovery from a bad relationship, maybe from overeating. There's so many different things out there that folks, they have those hurts, right? The loss of the job or your occupation or a health issue, obviously the physical recovery. I just had a friend who lost his leg due to diabetes. I think his challenge isn't going to be adapting to the new prosthesis. His challenge is going to be adapting to the new mindset. And recovery should be everywhere for all of, yeah, that broken relationship. Well, that list goes on. But uh, what, I know you're going to tell me God, and I get that. What's been your key to recovery? Uh, I know you said that time there on that floor in that cell kind of kicked you in gear. But have you thought much recovery before that, Johnny? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, as I was kicking that um, habit on the jail room floor, um, I ran into a chaplain that was coming through there. And him and I had known each other for 20-some years, and he had became a chaplain um, while he was doing time. And I owe so much to that man. That's the man that brought me to Christ. And without Christ in my life, I don't think I would have been able to get to where I am today. You know, I tell folks all the time that it's important that we keep him close. It's important that we persevere in prayer. It's important to get in his presence um, for if we keep him close with Christ in your life, sobriety is but a byproduct. And it truly, truly is, but we've got to keep him close. Absolutely. So I'm going to back up on you again here. What age were you when your addiction issues started? When I was first introduced to my DOC was in 1985, but the first drugs that I intook, I would say back to 1982, which would have put me at 12 years old. Okay. Were there other addiction issues in your family, or were you the first to be able to claim that? As far as drugs, yes. Um, the alcohol side of it, no. Um, those weren't really my, uh, that wasn't my hang up, so to speak. The hang up was the drugs. Um, so, so yeah. I think we started, we've started and ended a generational curse in that generation. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how were you introduced to drugs? Ooh, you know, um, I, I was raised in a town of about 1,200 people in Michigan by the name of Lawton. Um, and it's just a little town, you know, you, you get the peer pressure, the cool kids, hey man, let's here smoke this cigarette, and then hey, why don't you try smoking this? And it just progressed from there, you know, from 
the cigarettes to maybe a little bit of wine or beer and, and, and some pot. And then it just progressed up to the meth and then the heroin in Colorado. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know where Colorado stood on all of that back then. I know now they've, I'm going to go ahead and use the word, they've become pretty liberalized, at least with marijuana. Mm. Uh, I don't know about all the others. I'm not going to point that finger, but regardless, so I'm going to guess none of that was the hardest thing in the world to obtain. It was probably at least semi-readily available, and we reached that age where, yeah, the cool kids are doing it. Well, we learn better pretty quickly, don't we? Uh, about 30 years later, right? <laughs> <laughs> pretty quickly, overnight after 30 years, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you well, know, they got the sayings out there, you know, that, um, you know, you party till you're broke. I party till I'm homeless. I really, truly lived that life. I really, truly was on the street. Um, addiction took me places that I praise God every day that I don't have to revisit. I, I know that you're, a, you know, a new creation. I know what God's word says about that. But mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about those darkest times, what they looked like. Well, growing up in that little farming community in Lawton, um, I would say that my DOC started out as it did most everywhere 25, 30 years ago. You know, it was it was a progression thing. And then the mid, the late 90s through the early 2000s hit when everybody started making it. And it just, it just progressed so fast. I mean, there's only so long that it's fun, you know, and I had years of it not being fun anymore. And it took a real wake up call in order for me to finally um, submit one more uh, thing here. Go ahead and tell the folks what you mean when you say DOC, just to make sure they're oh, clear. yeah, my bad. A lot of people hear DOC, they think Department of Corrections. That is drug of choice. Okay. I use that same term, but not all my friends do, all right? So <laughs> I just want to be clear on that to those who are listening. So that's important. Yeah, it is. So you, you ended up in a home. How long were you home? Um, I was homeless and addicted in Denver. My heroin um, addiction was born and died in Denver, Colorado. Um, yes, I kicked on the jail room floor of the Van Buren County Sheriff's Department, but the last time I used was right before I left Denver. Um, I'm sorry, I kind of uh, got sidetracked no, there. The question was, how old were you homeless thereabout? Um, I was homeless about four years total. Um, some of it was in and out of hotels and probably two years of it was literally under a bridge or in a camp. How old were you at that time? Um, 37. This, you say that was about a two year. Maybe, maybe a little, maybe I was probably a little bit younger, probably more like 34, 35. All right. That was a two-year segment there. I, my first thought is Colorado winter under a bridge. 
cannot be very pleasant. Um, no, actually, the last winter that I was out there, I had a dome tent, and we had about 83 inches of snow in about a four or five day period. It shut the city down for three days. Um, for the first three days, I was um, stuck out in the suburbs and was sick trying to get downtown to get well, you know, and all that. Well, once I had gotten back downtown and finally got to my campsite, because this was not an easy task with 80 inches of snow, um, I literally had to dig a tunnel to my little dome tent. Um, you know, we have to, we never want to forget where we came from. You know, we don't want to dwell there ever, but we can't ever forget what God pulled us out of. I and mean, I such love. Yeah, I think it's so important. That's why I have, I've had people with that theory on the new creation. I'll never talk about my past. If we don't hear it, we don't know of God's rescue power of his redemption. And like you say, I don't want to go back and live there. But your willingness to revisit helps our folks get it who are maybe literally or <laughs> figuratively under that bridge in their life. Absolutely. Uh, struggling through those cold, hard moments. And for them to be able to hear of somebody who was able to, to climb out of that. During that time, during your dark moment, did you have a person in your life who was a go-to individual in a positive way, someone who they did not give up on you. They may have been ready to at moments, but they refused to let loose of you. Did you have anybody like that? I had zero in Colorado, but until my mother passed in 2012, um, she was my rock, really. Um, I give a lot of my strength to my almost now 12-year-old daughter that I raised by myself until she was eight and a half from six months old. Um, I always say no girlfriend, no baby mama, number 23, just manned up and did it myself and was able to, in and out of homeless shelters, but was able to stay clean and keep my child through that. And I'm so thankful for that. That had to be a challenge in multiple ways. Absolutely, because you're right there in the vicinity of everything, you know. You know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, it's safe at the shelter. All those drugs are at the shelter, too. It's whether or not we make the conscious decision to pick up or we make the conscious decision to pick that phone up, dial that phone number, and talk to somebody. I don't want to disappoint parents out there who are struggling with children that have drug issues more than once I've been told Johnny or Susie I got the call last night they're in jail so they're safe I will not respond to that with anything other than I pray so and hope so because I know those drugs where there are people drugs are available Uh, you may have to go through a few but you can find them easily enough and uh, yeah, it's it's a scary thing. And anymore, of course, with a fentanyl, it can be one and done. Absolutely. No, back in my day, and uh, that would have been 
let's just go with the 1960s, okay? <laughs> uh, back in my day, there was a term called, oh, I'm experimenting. You don't experiment anymore because that first experiment can be, can be your last. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It, it reached that point of danger. What do you want folks to know about your past, Johnny? A question <laughs> I haven't asked or addressed. What is the advice you would give to parents who may be listening that their son, their daughter's on that homeless track? What can you say? I would suggest to not silently struggle through it, to reach out to folks to get an accountability ring around them, that child or children, um, to get them the help needed if necessary, um, and to just walk alongside. Don't give up. There's hope. I mean, you know, Hebrews 6 and 19 says hope enters the soul, and it truly does. We've just got to give it the chance. Yes, yes. Uh, silence. <laughs> Silence will just lead you into depths that are darker and deeper. We've got to be able to express ourselves, to keep our voice. And somebody's waiting to hear you some, say something that gives them the permission to get involved by sharing what's happening in their life. Absolutely. Testimony is so important. Oh, certainly, certainly. So what do you want? people to know about that transition period as you make the choice to move from recovery to a better life, to a life of being clean, <laughs> even more importantly, clear. I'm of the total belief being clean is one thing. Being clear is another. You can keep that thinking, thinking for years and still live as what they used to, pardon me, folks, they used to call dry alcoholic. That was simply somebody who wasn't drinking, but they carried all the behaviors that they carried before, the anger, the rage. There's behaviors that go with drug usage as well. So what do you want folks to know about that transitional period? That transitional period, that two to five, up to two to five year period after you make that decision. Um, to keep yourself connected, um, like I said a minute ago, to keep that accountability circle around you, get yourself a sponsor, get yourself a mentor, absolutely stay connected. Don't get frustrated with yourself when you're dealing with pause, which is post-acute withdrawal symptom, symptoms, okay, or syndrome, my bad. Don't get discouraged by that. We all go through it. Um, even with all my years that I have clean now, I still struggle with a lot of um, of issues from from my past, so to speak, that I deal with today mentally. But the difference is you have the tools to deal with that now between your faith, your belief in Christ, your work within the recovery movement you have a toolbox you can open up when something hits you. Yeah. How often did you have two relapse issues during your recovery? Uh, in early recovery. Yes. I never relapsed 
from heroin. I did relapse from meth. I was clean for a year, and it was literally, you know, I. One organization would call it a full-blown relapse. Another would call it a slip. Um, but I still called it a relapse. I had a one one-time usage in uh, 2013 and lost my child per day. And I believe that was the final straw. The, the Yeah, it was the final thing. Going to bed and realizing that my daughter was somewhere else because of my bad personal choice that I had made. Um, I have striven from that day forward. Um, I went through all of the or hoops, so to speak, that I had to go through. Um, I proved to them that, it, yes, it was a fluke, that it was a one-one-time thing. And um, I just, yeah, would never want to go back there again. You know what? I, I totally believe every single thing you're saying, but I also recognize many folks do have to hit, end up hitting that relapse. Right. Or whatever you choose to call it, more than once. And they just got to hang with it. You know, I, adult, you know, and like ahead. you were just saying a minute ago about that, that one time, you know, you know, unfortunately these days, like you were just talking about, about the fentanyl, they're putting the fentanyl and everything. So that one last time that relapse could be literally the last time we need to get that toolbox. We need to open it up. We need to keep the key right in our hand. We need to be ready to reach out when, when those um, urges come, none of us are immune. I mean, I still have a using dream from time to time, and it's been a long time. It, yeah, that's important for folks to know. You may change. You may be getting closer to that total recovery, whatever that may look like, but the battle still continues. <laughs> Your Absolutely. body still has that craving in your mind, mm -hmm. and you've got friends who would rather pull you back in that hole with them because they feel better. You've got others who are pushing you up as hard as they can. Absolutely. And you've got to know the difference, right? Right. Uh, are, they, are they for me or against me? You know, and that's it. You know, and... Unfortunately, with that addict mind, a lot of times we twist that and we don't realize who really was for us and who really wasn't until maybe a little bit down the road. <laughs> we get clear and we start to get that understanding. And the farther away we get, it makes it better, doesn't always make it easier. But the difference is what you're is the difference you're making uh, <laughs> quite simple. Absolutely. So what, what are you about today? I know you've already said you're highly involved with Celebrate Recovery, and I know you're in the Burn, Indiana area. You're actually in Decatur. Let me back up on that. Uh, you're actually in Decatur, Indiana, for an event that's going to take place tomorrow. It's called We Do Recovery, a joint venture by A Better Life, Brianna's Hope, and O.J. Pittman with uh, Get Stay Sober. 
what's going to be your role in the event tomorrow, Johnny? Um, actually, it'll be kind of a dual role for the Childresses. Uh, my wife and I will both be speaking tomorrow, um, giving our testimony a little bit in depth. Um, I think we're going to take the stage at the first time, which will be a first. Um, but there's got to be a first for everything, right? Um, we're you. really looking forward to it. Um, we drove down through one of the worst blizzards that I've ever driven in to get down here today. Um, I wouldn't have missed it for anything. Um, I'm just so thankful that, uh, that we're down here to help spread that experience, strength and hope. Cause as you know, as you know, that revelation 12, 11 reads that we overcame him, him being the devil by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of our testimony, our stories are so powerful and folks, you that might think that your story might not compare up to somebody else's, share that story. Your story can help thousands. I have, I've been so enlightened, thrilled, excited. As somebody shares their story, you start getting an email, you start getting head shaking. Those from people who have been there and done that. Uh, They've been where you are. You can't share your story without sharing somebody else's. And folks, let me clarify something here. When I use the term tomorrow, I know this won't go on the air for a while. We're talking November 20th. So it'll be past by the time you hear this. But I just didn't want you heading to Decatur. Go ahead and go to Decatur. They'd love to have you. Just don't go for this event. Uh, so you say you and your wife are going to be taking the stage for the first time. What do you mean by that? Sharing it together? Um, or will you be performing? Um, I, yeah. We'll both be speaking. I'm not completely sure if we're going to take the stage at the same time or if we will take it separately. We'll see how that plays out tomorrow. But, you know, when you just told the audience about, you know, this will be in the past when they finally hear it, but there'll be the We Do Recover for next year right here as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And a better life we in and hope looking forward to coming on board earlier next year so we can get more involved. Uh, It's going to be a big thing. You can always go, you know, in the future, go back to this podcast. You're going to find some other interviews from folks who will be a part of it. Some big names in the recovery music industry, for lack of better terms. But we're thankful that Johnny and his wife are going to be there sharing their story. Uh, Folks, there are victories out there. We just lost an individual here in our community this week to an overdose death. Young person, I worked with that for years now. I'm a retired pastor. And during those last Well, let's see, the last four years of my official ministry before retiring and kind of doing a better life for Anna's Hope full-time, I did 60 funerals for individuals who died overdose-related deaths or suicide-related deaths, and all 60 of those were from one high school, from Jay County High School. I've had a good identity around here. Over the past four to eight years, I've done over 100 funerals of those who have passed due to overdose or suicide. 
I've got a heart for that hurt and for the people who are struggling. And I, obviously, Johnny does as well, because that's why he's involved with this serious thing. You grow down in one of the worst blizzards you've ever driven in. How long of a drive was it, Johnny? Um, it only turned out to be about three and a half hour. Um, normally, it would be about a two and a half hour. But it took us about an extra hour due to uh, the amount of snow. When we left Kalamazoo, Michigan, there was over a foot, and it was still a blizzard. Wow. Wow. Uh, please take this properly. I'm okay if you keep it there instead of sharing it with us, all right? <laughs> uh, we we love Michigan, but they can love their snow. I've never been a snow person by any means. <laughs> what else is there, Johnny, that you would like to inform the folks of, tell them about recovery, your efforts, uh, your wife's efforts? Yeah. Let me ask this, and if you choose not to respond, I'm good with that. Does your wife come from an addiction background? Yes, sir. Okay. You guys um, been married how long? Um, we've been married. It'll be four years this uh, July. Okay. We met. This is an interesting story. Um, we'll back up a little bit. I had okay. continuously been getting the call to move south, okay? And I had been feeling this call for a long time and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I was single through all this time. And one day in prayer, I literally got that you will remain single as long as you're in the state of Michigan, that your significant other is not here, but where I want you to be. And until you there, you'll be signal, you know? And I was like, man, is this just me? Is it, is it really, is it, is it God? You know, who, you know, it, it was really a wrestle match, you know. They say that we wrestle, yeah, um, into Ephesians there, right? But, <laughs> right. Um, but I went ahead and I felt the urge. Um, we, I finally filed for domicile because this isn't an easy thing for a single man with a daughter to just up and go. You have to do it through the court, now file domicile and everything. Um, but my wife and I, okay, just as I was getting ready to go down there, we started speaking. Her and I were both co-administrators in an online recovery group, which happened to be the first group that started online meetings. And this was long before COVID. Um, and we got to talking. And one day she said, you know, she said something and I told her, don't make me preach. And she said, well, I might need it. It might be good for me. And we started talking a little more. Um, and got her to rededicate her life to Christ. Um, we had made the conscious decision to um, to get together. But as I ex had explained to her, um, this, at this point I'm in Tennessee. You know, I said I do a lot of uh, ministry work and stuff, and I can't just be shacked up. And she said, "Well, I, I guess that means yes." And we, I met her father in Marietta, Georgia and brought her up to Tennessee with me. We were married two months later, praise the Lord. Um, but her DOC was completely opposite of mine. She had the DOC of the heroin, which I had long since been in victory of for a very long time. And mine was meth, at which point in time I couldn't stand her DOC and 
she couldn't stand my DOC. And that actually helped us a lot because her thing wasn't my thing and my thing wasn't her thing. Um, hey, so it's a crack. Absolutely. So, I mean, we give each other a lot of strength. Um, I've been doing an online recovery um, group through Facebook. I started it in late 2016, early 2017, called the Whole Armor God Ministries. Um, we branched that into Calvin's who hope dealers. Um, my wife, um, her love is to minister to women one on one. She is so blessed with the ability for that. Awesome. I must ask a question. We're about from Tennessee with home base. We were in Ray County, Tennessee in a in a in a little town by the name of Spring City. If you don't know where it is, you won't know where it is. It's about an hour and a half north of Chattanooga. Um, we loved it. Um, if COVID wouldn't have hit, we probably would have stayed in Tennessee. But that wasn't God's plan, though, was it? It was for us to come back to Michigan to, to resow them roots as a family, not just as yep. a single man with a daughter, but a whole, you know, Um uh, and it's been, you know, uh, it's been a great road with my wife. It really has. That um, is awesome. Yeah, I love her to pieces. Um, she is my rock at this point. Um, you know, I up until, like I said earlier, up until her and I got together and were together, <coughs> I was a single father for eight and a half years. Um, it was just, it was, re- it's been a really great. Um, experience so to speak well god can make that happen absolutely you know i asked your location in tennessee because my wife was born in fentress county in the clark range area Hmm. and so uh you know i've always got an affinity for their love visiting down there just a great place to be she still has a lot of family down that way Right. Uh, not too far from Jamestown. And everybody in my neck of the woods knows where Jamestown is, okay? Right, right. They've yeah. got relatives there. <laughs> there, which is all cool stuff. Right. Listen, we get ready to, to wrap this up. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the folks out there who are listening? Just don't give up. There's life in this. There is, there's so much on the other side of addiction. If we just give it the chance, um, we can have fun out here, okay? A good instance <laughs> of that's tomorrow. This is going to be such a great time. So many people are going to be reached in local, online, through the radio. It's just going to be an amazing time. Guys, you can do this. I believe in you. Awesome. I like your term, the other side of addiction. Absolutely. That, just, that sounds, <laughs> I just want to step out into that. We want other folks to do that. Absolutely. So, Johnny, the last question here. As you know, the title of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. What does this, what do those four words mean to you? Those four words mean everything to to me and my recovery. Because as I said earlier, 
that 100% that if I wouldn't have accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I would not have made it as far as I have in recovery. We have to realize that without Christ, we are nothing. And he will help us to that other sign if we just call on him. Love that. Thank you. I appreciate your time, your willingness to take it out of your schedule with all that's going on and for making that drive down south here. Uh, We wish you and pray for you to have a blessed time tomorrow to bless others and have a safe journey home when you head out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Folks, once again, you've been tuned in to faith in your recovery. We know the battle is real, and we know you've not come this far to only come this far. Stay at it. Keep striving. Move forward each step you can take. And if you slip back one, pick yourself up. Go forward. Reach your hand out. Somebody will reach their hand out to you. God bless. Stay in the battle. Amen.